and welcome to another edition of the Logos of Love podcast. I'm here, Kyle Priestley, along with my co-host, Chris Barber, and joining us today, Mike Lyle. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. What an honor. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah we're, Mike, really, Mike, we're really excited to have you on. So, mm-hmm. Mike is a friend of both Chris and I, and he's a pastor of both Chris and I at Compassion Nazarene here in Lynchburg, Virginia. So, we are happy to have him with us today. So yeah, uh, should be fun. Tell us, have a good weekend. I did. I did. Um, my Niners won. So we already we already talked about this on the last podcast. We're recording these yeah. kind of closer together than normal. So this this will be coming awesome. out after Chris and I have our face to face anger towards each other on Monday night or Sunday <laughs> night for for football. But what do we talk um, about? What do we talk mm-hmm. about in, in, in the last podcast? That we all hate Tom Brady love. and he and the, lost. And finally, for the first time in my fan career, I got to beat Tom Brady. So, <laughs> hey, no, we talked about enemy love and how agape is the only love that allows for that. And so, therefore, well, I can be your, I can, right. I can still love you even if I'm uh, an enemy sports fan wise right now with you. So, that, that is true. Yeah. I, Who's your NFL team, Kyle? I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, so yeah, they, play this, be, they play this week. They play, they play, we, play, yeah. we play the 49ers. I don't feel super great about it. We'll see how it turns out. Um, right. But that was, that was that's fun for Chris and I to be able to talk on love and also use that as an example within, Oh yeah. hey, we can still love each other through this, even though I may not like your fan <laughs> at this point in time. So, right. yeah. yeah. I had a good weekend, too. I went to Raleigh, North Carolina for the weekend. Um, hung out with my buddy down there, another friend of mine, Mike. Uh, went to mm-hmm. my first NHL game. It wasn't even the Wings. It was penguins and hurricanes and that was fun and got to go to a golf simulator and just hang out with a good friend down there mike how about you have a good weekend yeah i was going for a hike with my family there's a little place near us peaks of otter where we go and there's a farm like an old abandoned farm up at the top of the mountain about a two mile hike up up the mountain it's really pretty isn't it crazy that people back in the day used to think hey let's grow a farm on top of a mountain i had to climb up the mountain to do my farming Right. All the supplies and the wood to build the house. Not me. I'm too lazy for that. Right here's exactly. good. Right here's yep. fine. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Freaks Water is a beautiful place to be able to go. Enjoy going up there. That sounds like All it right. was a good time. Yeah. So, Chris, what are we talking about this week? All right. So, we are talking about the God of glory and how glory works itself out with the fact that we also believe that God is love. Um, and so that's what we're kind of talking about. It's kind of the interplay between uh, glory and love. Um, last episode, uh, we dug in deep towards uh, what what is agape? What does it mean that God is agape? Um, and namely, uh, we we basically covered, you know, that, that agape is the love that prefers others even to the point of its own detriment or sacrifice. That's what we uh, uh, kind of tried to establish last episode. And so picking up there now, now we're going to talk about some of the attributes. And one of the big ones, I would say, one one of the ones that people think is one of God's main attributes uh, is the fact that he's glorious and that he's full of glory. Um, and so we're going to start jumping into some of the attributes. So the first three episodes were establishing God's character is love. What does it mean that uh, God is, that Jesus is the logos, the logic, 
of, of God, right? And then, and then last episode, what love is, what we mean when we say God is love is agape, and agape means that love that prefers um, others over itself. Um, so picking up there, now we're going to talk about glory. And before we get too far into the discussion of glory, um, I think it's good to try, if we can, in some way to define it. I'm not saying necessarily that it's easy, um, but uh, it's, it's something that we want to make sure that whenever we're jumping into these topics, so a lot of these topics are things that really are only talked about in the realm of either theology or the Bible or God or Christian realms. And we want to make sure we're defining our terms. Um, so a, a lot of times, maybe some of our English words can mean something similar, but uh, we want to try to make sure that we're um, upholding, if there are any differences in the scripture or theological realm, that we're upholding those. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to, I'm actually going to toss it over to our guest. A lot of, a lot of um, this podcast, even I would say was built over a lot of conversations. Um, it was birthed out of a lot of conversations I've had with Mike. And so um, this is one we've talked about some, you know, God's glory, God's love. How does that work? And I uh, wanted to bring him on for this specific episode. So thanks for joining us, Mike. Oh, thanks for being here. Like I said, and I don't think there's many things we haven't talked about <laughs> over the courses of our, our lunches. Like we've, we've pretty much covered the whole spectrum. You can, we can have a conversation, anything right now. Yeah. So there, there's, yeah. there's always more, but I don't mm -hmm. think it's necessarily, we wouldn't hit on a topic that we haven't hit on. We'd just be going deeper right. or in a different direction. Right. So right. Right. Um, I'm we really glad. About that, pretty much everything. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so today our topic is glory. Um, yeah. Mike, if you would give us your thoughts on what, what glory yeah. means. Yeah. I, first of all, I think this is really wise to go to glory next after talking about love, uh, because the two sometimes feel like they, they don't go together, especially the way you've defined God love. If God is a God of agape love, completely preferring others over himself, even to his own detriment sometimes, um, that seems to be at odds with the way that a lot of people think of glory and say, well, you know, how can that be true if God is glorious, filled with glory? And when they think of glory, uh, I'll just maybe um, as a way to define it, maybe kind of say what most people might think when we say of, when we talk about glory and then maybe go into some of the ways that the scriptures speak about glory and uh, compare them and see what they might look like. But I, I think most people, when we think about glory, think, um, I don't know, some version of fame. And uh, we're in a pretty fame obsessed culture. So someone's glory would be like, or to do something for the glory of, of it all would be like to, to be higher and higher in esteem, uh, to, to be lifted up, to be noticed above other people. And so if, if the whole point of glory is to be lifted up and noticed above everybody else, but then the whole point of like agape is to be prefer preferring others over yourself. How do those like how do those fit together? Uh, so I think this is so good to go right into glory from agape. Um, and uh, maybe um, I don't know. We've talked before about some people's picture of glory being um, the the Stark Tower, where you've got Tony Stark and he's built this big thing and it's got his name on it and lights and everybody can see it. And everybody knows it's him and everybody knows he's famous 
and um and he everybody wants to be like him and everybody is like wants his autograph that that kind of thing where we talk about glory in the same breath as we talk about about fame or lifting high and i think there's there's some biblical way to understand it like that where god says he his name he wants his name glorified or he wants to be glorified throughout all the earth there's also like um and this is why glory is hard to define because there's so many different ways it's used in scripture uh there is a, a thread of glory that's like god wants to be known uh throughout the earth and so we could say well see he wants to be famous um and he he wants everybody to know his name uh but i don't i don't know we'll come back around to that but i don't know if that's a, a, a the most correct way to to talk about god's glory uh there's also scriptures that we hear about god um making all of all of uh, that he made for his glory and we say well you know it, how else could we mean that other than like he wants renown or he wants those things that he made to worship him or to to lift him higher um or and there's other scriptures that say different things like and the glory of the lord filled the temple um so what does that mean now it does god's like fame fill the temple and so their glory has like a a tangible aspect to it something that can mm -hmm. fill up a space and glory has an aspect to it that's um god wants everybody to to know it uh, and everybody to experience it um and then there's a, a really weird and, and maybe this is where we can dig in a little bit later but when jesus is praying uh in john 17 he's praying to the father and i think it's such a beautiful text where we see the holy spirit it's such a trinitarian text the holy spirit and jesus and the father all interacting in prayer and um and jesus praying for them he said father he's praying for us as disciples father the glory that you gave to me i gave to them so apparently glory is something you can give away you can the father gave the glory to the son and the son wants to give it uh to his followers to the people who are following him and he's praying for that i want the glory to pass from me to somebody else and so maybe we can dig into that a little bit uh but just a, a little bit of a working definition and we say what is glory if we if we survey the scripture and i think it might go against what some people think as glory but i think if we take it all together I think glory is just um, God revealing himself through in a way that we can understand it. Um, and I think that that takes in all the different aspects of glory. Whereas if God's revealing himself, it comes, it, then you can think of that as like light filling a space or God's revelation, filling up a space, filling up the temple, God's revelation of who he is filling up the temple. Um, and God wants his glory to be known throughout all the earth. God wanting his revelation of who he is to be spread throughout all the earth. Or um, everything God made, he did for his glory. I think that that's where we could uh, maybe step on some toes, some other traditions who would, who would read that and understand it differently uh, in other ways other than um, everything God made, he made so that he would be known through it. Um, not that so he would be uh, famous because of it. Right. So that's I short. Think, no, that, that's short, but it was also uh, it brought in a lot of different aspects. Um, I think that uh, in general, though, um, a couple things that I want to point out is uh, you attached it to like at the beginning, you attached it like to being lifted up, lifted high. 
I think that's definitely the way we think about it. Um, but the question is, when God says he wants to the whole earth to be full of his glory, is that what he's trying to say? Or what is he trying to say? Um, and I think you also attached it maybe a little bit when you were using the like the Tony Stark reference to like the name up in lights. And I think that there is something to be said for understanding like how love and light kind of correspond. Um, and so I do think that glory has like this idea of like it being light and like your names being up in lights and, but God himself is light. So he's not necessarily looking to be more light per se. Um, and so you have like this, I guess I would say this tension that you were just, just pointing out a little bit that what does it mean that God wants the whole earth to be filled of his glory? Um, so we'll jump into that a little bit more, but, uh, Kyle, any thoughts or questions for me or Mike on that? Yeah. So kind of thinking through that, just in different ways you can look at that kind of being from an aspect of things, I'd say glory almost in the sense of being something to be celebrated i think that if, if i'm to think of what god wants like he, i think god wants to be celebrated because he knows what he is and he knows the gift that he's given and he knows that when we take delight in that that's good for us it's not a selfishness aspect of when we are celebrating who he is and so glory from that aspect come into play i think when you think of glory as a way of being um maybe what would be revered not that we shouldn't not maybe not revere God, but maybe being revered and being respected and being, I want you to understand that I am in charge and that you are less than me. I think that we sometimes we can think of seeing that as giving glory as me humbling myself in a way that is different than the term that we maybe normally say humbling yourself, humbling yourself to be less than and not. It goes back and forth, not worthy because we're not worthy in aspects, but it's, it's, it's that game of where you're, turning it into instead of being somebody who is in relationship with being a slave to. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Putting that there? Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Uh, I think all those things that you just said are true of, of God. God is the most worthy thing. He's the most praiseworthy thing. Um, and so I'm about to maybe change gears and maybe Amos uh, towards understanding love and, and, glory and how they can interplay and coexist. Um, but what I want to get clear here is I'm not saying that God doesn't want or deserve praise or that he's not the only thing worth worshiping. I would affirm those things. But the problem is when we make glory his center, per se, mm. that's, the, that's the problem. And I think there's a lot of Christianity, there's a lot of um, church history that have tried to say that that's his center. Um, maybe you've heard the phrase that everything God does is for his glory. Um, and I, I really struggle with that statement, um, that teaching, because what we're literally, there, there's no other way about it than to read it as God is um, seeking, seeking, doing everything selfishly out of a selfish desire to, to, be be well known or another way it works itself out is um he's doing everything so that he would receive more worship um worship kind of gets closely attached to glory a lot of times and while i don't necessarily think that um that it's incorrect to think that god does things for his glory 
I don't think that's the center of why he does things. And the reason why I can't go there is because what we talked about last week and what Mike kind of talked about just a little bit a minute ago. And that is that um, if we're saying he does everything for his own glory, we're saying he's doing everything out of a selfish motive. And what we've tried to establish on the show is love is inherently selfless. Um, in fact, 1 Corinthians 13, which does where Paul says a bunch of things that love is and love is not, he, does, he says specifically that love is not self-seeking. Um, so if we're going to hold to what we said in the first episode, Kyle, that we could inter interchange God for the word love in that in that 1 Corinthians 13, which I think we should, then how are we going to say God is not self-seeking, but everything he's doing is self-seeking for his own glory? And so there's a problem if we make glory his center rather than love his center. Um, Mike, one time you said to me um, that, you know, God's not a glory monger. He's not like trying to hoard all of his glory to himself, but rather he's constantly trying to share his glory. Um, can you expound some on that, on what you meant by that? Yeah, and I, I would just kind of say, I think I agree that everything God does, he does for his glory, but not the way that most people define glory. And mm -hmm. I think what you guys are articulating um, is like, if we define glory as like this self seeking, I'm better than you and I want you to know it. And if you don't know it, then I'm gonna make darn sure that you know that I'm better and I'm stronger and you better worship me. That seems like a self, self, self-focused, self-seeking is the language you use, uh, a God who's saying, you know what, I deserve to be worshiped. Um, and and so I'm going, everything I do, I'm going to do so that you know that I'm freaking powerful. And boy, you better, and if you don't acknowledge that, then I'm gonna orchestrate events to make you think that I'm very, very mighty and sovereign and I'm the one in charge and you're not in charge. And um, I think if we, if we, picture God like that. In the first episode, I remember you talking about um, our perception of God is probably the most important thing. It shapes and forms so much. And so if our perception of God is that he is someone uh, that really doesn't care about us, but only cares about his, his power and that it increases and that his fame increases around the world and that his like maybe a worship account balance goes up and up and up and up and up. Uh, that's the only reason everybody's created all of this, all the people, the more people, then the more my worship meter goes almost like a, a talk show or, or a, you know, a, a public TV show where they're trying to raise money and there's a thermometer in the back and he's like, more, more worship, more, more. Like if that's what God is like, then I'm, that's going to impact the way that I relate to that kind of God. Uh, and I just don't think that's what God is like. I don't think that's what scripture reveals. And so if our understanding of glory is that, I think it's going to, it, it's wrong. It's a wrong perception of what God is like and even what glory is like. But if God is love, if at the center of God, like you've just articulated, isn't, isn't glory, but love, uh, then we redefine what we think glory is in light of love. And um, love is, is not self-seeking. Love is self-giving. And so glory then becomes the the very what happens when God gives of himself when God gives of himself that's when we see God's glory 
and that, that the most fundamental sense and we talk about revelation which is god's self-giving to us like we don't even know who god is apart from god revealing himself to us i can't imagine god i can't come up with it i'm not like chris and i aren't aren't going to sit in a room and come up with a systematic theology based on logic uh it's got it's all revelation like carl bart reminded the whole church that there is such a thing as a holy spirit and god revealing himself and it's real we can trust that revelation uh, both general revelation that's why we can say the whole earth not that god wants the whole earth to be filled with the glory what the scripture says is the whole earth is filled with his glory because right. he's just bursting revealing himself to the whole world uh we can see that in romans where where paul is in, urging everybody like look at look at the creation it's like god's handiwork it's revealing the heart behind it uh, God, all of creation is just bursting with the glory of the Lord because it's bursting with his self-giving revelation, calling out to us, saying, know me, I want you to know me. And all the way down to specific revelation where maybe Moses is at the top of the mountain and it's filled with smoke and fire and it's consumed by the glory of the Lord. It's God there in person revealing himself in a way that Moses's senses can receive and know and understand. The glory of the Lord is present on the mountain. The glory of the Lord goes before and behind and the glory of the Lord passed by and he could see in some tangible way what God was like. Or the glory of the Lord filled the temple and light and smoke. And we have all these images of when, when the glory of the Lord happens, it's just God revealing himself and in either a general way or in a specific special way where god is saying this is what i'm like and this is who i am and that that revelation when we talk about glory as god revealing himself and us being able to see it now that fits in with god the center is love because if god's not self-seeking but self-giving he's giving himself away to all of creation so that we can be in relationship with him because at the core of God is a relationship. And it's probably the single great, most important relationship in all of the universe is the relationship that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everything that was made and that has been made flows from that relationship. It yeah, all starts there. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more because, I mean, the Trinity, we already talked about it in the first episode, but like, I don't, it's it, love is like the reason why you know we use the c.s lewis quote where we talked about like if he wasn't love he wouldn't have even created but because mm -hmm. he wants to give but before that the trinity already existed so how do you see that that's that that's the case mike how would you elaborate on that yeah well the trinity it's when we're talking about the trinity it's a mystery number one i'm not gonna be able to articulate it i don't understand it um, I know that it's, it's one, God is one, uh, not, not three different beings, not three different en entities, but God is also three, not just one entity collapsed on itself. Somehow those things hold true together. And the, the way that God is so one in his many parts, uh, the, the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Echad, one of many parts is love. I think love is, that's why we can say God is love, because love is that thing that holds those one, holds the oneness of the many and makes them more one. And, mm -hmm. and so within the Trinity, 
we don't we don't see um i remember hearing a conversation um between a christian and a muslim one time and they were talking about the trinity and uh the muslim interrupted and just said that's nonsense like you can't have three different gods and all because one will be in charge one there will be there'll be war there'll be a, a a fighting in the godhead because there's all going to be this struggle for who's actually in charge who actually has the most power and i feel like if glory is at the center of the trinity um i was thinking about in light of this conversation i'm like man he's so right if glory is the middle if glory is the center and everything else defined by glory then you would have war in the trinity i say i'm i'm lifted up i'm more no no i'm more no no i'm more like i'm higher no i'm higher what we see in the trinity is the exact opposite of that complete self-giving where you have jesus saying i only do what i see the father doing i would say what i hear the father saying he's so much higher than me and the father saying i'm exalting the son and i'm lifting him up above everything else and the son saying don't talk about the spirit that way because the spirit is everything we have nothing apart from the holy spirit and the holy spirit saying it's my job to lift up jesus i want him known and everybody to know him and come into relationship with him all his teachings all his way of life so like within the trinity we see the opposite of grabbing for higher and higher we see them giving self-giving and lifting the other one up above themselves again and again and again so it's not like this hierarchy within the trinity it's like getting underneath each other to lift each other up over and over and over again and that to me sounds like love sounds like agape it yeah. doesn't sound like how we've come to understand glory yeah 100 percent. i think that's that you you hit it on the head what i was trying to say earlier about the the, the self-seeking versus selflessness you know it's selfishness versus selflessness and we know that love is selfless so if if we're looking at the the godhead and and i I love that Muslim illustration of like thinking, no, there's, there can't be three persons in, in the Godhead because they would be at odds and they'd be fighting over who's going to get the glory basically. Right. But if, if the center is love, it changes everything. And, and I want to say that, like, I do think that um, perhaps uh, there's sometimes a struggle with like the old Testament versus the new Testament and how, God was being perceived and you can read certain passages. Um, for example, there's a, there's a famous verse. I think it's in Isaiah that says, um, I will not, I am the Lord, your God, and I will not give my glory to another. Um, now in that context, he's just talking about like they were worshiping idols. And so he's saying, I'm not going to give my glory to another God. Um, but there's this tendency to like, think uh, there's certain passages. And if you focus in on those, you're like, God's center is this, um, he's wanting to make sure that he's receiving the glory and that it's the glory is going to the proper place. But what we come to as Christians, we get the New Testament and we get this revelation, right? So like in Hebrews, it talks about how like he's God has expressed himself and tried to tell us through prophets and throughout the ages has tried to tell us through scripture and, and, and through the other prophets. But now he's revealed himself in his son, right? So now if we bring in like the, episode two the logos he's the logic of god jesus is the logic of god now expressed in a person now we can see oh my goodness god god is love because we see how god it re it's redefines the law and order of love and then he not only does that but he lives it out right 
Um, so I think one of the best passages to really kind of see this and, and, and the whole passage um, shows how God is love, but it's because God is love that he's deserving of all glory. So it's Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Um, it says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common, share, common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love that Christ did, being one in mind and spirit and one of spirit. And then he basically goes and defines again, here we are. Now he said, have the same love as Christ did, right? And then he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So our other version of glory that we think glory means, he's saying, discard that completely. Rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And then he uses Christ or Jesus as the example of that. In your relationships with others, have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So let's let's stop there. And we we see now, okay, when God is defining who, what Jesus is like, when the scripture defines what Jesus is like, it's this constant like being willing to lower lower himself, to step down from being the Logos of God, the Son of God who's there with him and say, I'm willing to humble myself and become a human. You know, that, that phrase there, kenosis, which says he made himself nothing, is this idea of like, you're emptying yourself of your glory almost. <laughs> you're, you're willing to step down from that and let it go um, and so he didn't consider like trying to grasp at it, to try to stay equal to the other members of the Trinity, but he's willing to step down and say, I'll become human. And then not only that, he becomes a servant. And then not only that, he becomes a servant who's willing to die and not only die, but die on a tree, which is like a representation of like uh, on the cross, the cross representative of a tree, which dying on a tree was considered the worst of curses, the worst way to die. In the Jewish mindset. And so we see, like, not only did Jesus um, show us who God was by being willing to condescend, but he does it like repeatedly throughout his life. He continues to step down and empty himself. And so if that's, if he's the image of God revealed to us, if he's, if he's the Logos, right? Now we can see, okay, this is what God's center is like. And it's willing to give himself up and lower himself over and over again. But um, that's not the end, right? So like, what are the next few verses? Um, the next few verses are like, because of this, God lifted him up. I don't, I don't actually have the verses in front of me. But like, if you read it, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, God lifted him up. And the, and the fact that Jesus revealed the full love of God ended up bringing God glory, right? Like that's what the rest of the verses basically say. So he lifted him up and that was a revealing of God's glory. 
the revealing of God's glory is the fact that Jesus was willing to, to lower himself and become human and then die and die on a cross. Um, and so we see the center there. The center of God is love, but that's what makes him glorious. Jesus is revealing that. And so there's a turn of like, that's the opposite of how we think we get glory in the world. Um, any thoughts on that? Right. I, I think um, I'll let Kyle speak in it too. But when Jesus himself is saying, I must be lifted up in John, he's not talking about the worship service at the end of Philippians 2 when God lifts him up. When he's saying, I myself must be lifted up, we're told that he's talking about the cross. That is his moment of glory. That mm -hmm. is when he is putting on display uh, what God is like. And God is either like Jesus, there's no, or not. Like where Hebrews tells us, like he's, he's the exact representation of God. He sh there is no un-Christ-likeness in the Trinity. It doesn't exist. If it, it, Jesus shows us what God is like and culminating his highest moment, revealing what God is like is the cross. Yeah, I have a couple of, I'm going to take us back a few steps and then come back to this. So sorry to go a little bit out of this. Um, there's a lot that was thrown in there and <laughs> got to sneak in here. So a little bit. So I'm um, kind of going back to what you were talking about first, Mike, along going back to defining the term glory. I got thinking about that within this conversation. Um, the, the word glory coming from glorious, it, I think is where that comes from. And when we think glorious, I mean, that's something that's positive. Something that's glorious is good. Something that's, that we see gloriousness is it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's something that we mm -hmm. take delight in. Um, and I think that anybody who wants to be loved wants to have some of that where they're being delighted on the aspects. So I think that's definitely an aspect of, I think it's a characteristic of God. And I think God does want to have glory because with any relationship that you're in, if you're with somebody who doesn't want anything, Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's not really a whole lot to try to be attracted to that. I mean, people usually are drawn to people from somebody that there's a level of confidence that usually goes along with that. Um, and I think that plays with God and the relationship that he wants in that aspect as well, too. I think where it changes as far as the glory aspect goes is that when somebody wants glory without relationship, that's completely changing at that point in time to be a selfishness. And without relationship, there's no love. So in the sense of let's, I don't think the writers of the Marvel in any way, shape or form intended for uh, their story to be used as an example of uh, the love of Christ. But I think, I think it can really fit and get, we can get a lot of examples out of that. You look at Thanos. I think Thanos, while maybe he did want some things for what somebody could argue as being good, like he had in his mind, he thought that these things were good, but ultimately Thanos wasn't interested in relationship or the, the, the best he wanted it for his way and his glory that, Hey, I'm getting these rings because I'm going to be the one in power. And that aspect, there was no willingness on his side to be able to lay down himself. That's funny. Stark, I, I actually, yeah, go ahead. I said, like, Tony Stark on the, on the opposite of that was also like, he obviously sought saw, saw glory through there, but in the end you see the change in Tony through the entire series in the end. Tony is doing the same thing for a similar result that maybe Thanos was, but he's laying down his life so that others may be able to live and have relationship. There's a, there's a big contrast in those two concepts to what's going on. And then I have one more thought, but I'll let you go ahead and add to that, Mike. No, I was actually thinking about the Marvel thing. 
um, I think it's a little bit even more like Loki, <laughs> not to geek out too much, um, but he really he wanted just power for power's sake. And there's actually a scene, I think it may be in the first Avengers where he's in Germany and he's before everybody and everybody's bowed down. And he gives this big long speech before Captain America shows up and he's like, you were made to be ruled. You want to be ruled and I will rule you. Uh, you, you don't have freedom. Yeah. I'm the most powerful being here. And he just wanted to be worshiped. Yeah. Not for good of anybody else, but for him yeah. entirely. That's yeah. glory. That's yes, selfish. For his own ego, for his own gratification yep. of being in charge. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the picture that we kind of get of, of God. And, and what's ironic is we used Tony Stark earlier and Loki earlier, like, the turning point of Avengers one, we're geeking out here. Sorry. I hope, I hope our audience is familiar with the story, but the turning point is like, um, well, where, where's Loki going to go next? And Tony's like, he wants to, he doesn't want just want to beat us. He wants to beat us and he wants to be seen doing it. And he wants his name up in lights. And then he's like, Oh my gosh, he's going to Stark tower because Tony's like, Oh my gosh, that's me. And that's where I would want to do it. I'd want to do it where my name's in light. And I'm, and like, so you have that, that contrast, but if I can, if I may, let's use Tony as like a good example throughout the whole series. Okay, he's the whole time you're wanting him to be like the hero he should be, right? The whole time, yeah. but he's he's got all these flaws and he's got this desire to be to receive glory and he's always looking for the way out. And then when when you get to the the final movie of that of that series, I know it's still going, but the final movie in no 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 uh, no no, no. Marvel. Marvel ended when <laughs> one ended. I actually right. agree but, with Kyle. It's, it's okay. All right. So so it ended. All right. So it ended on Endgame. There we go. That's appropriate yep. name for it. But um, at the end, Tony sacrifices himself, and now like we just self intuitively know. Oh, now he's the hero that he's supposed to be. Now he's the one who. Now he's worthy of receiving glory because he was willing to sacrifice himself. And like he, when he was doing that in that moment, he wasn't thinking, I'm going to do this and now I'm going to receive glory. Rather, he was thinking, I'm going to do this because it's what's needed to save everyone. And what, I mean, what a parallel. I mean, who knew we were going to necessarily go from Marvel to the cross, but Jesus is saying, I'm not doing this to receive glory. God's not sending Jesus so that God can receive glory. What he's doing is he's saying, this is what is needed to save everyone. And that is, in turn, the reason why it says God lifts him up, and why he's the why it's this is the reflection and the revealing of God's glory. So it's a great analogy, Kyle. Thanks for bringing it in. Did you have something yeah. you wanted to add to that? Yeah. And so then going to the other part that we talked about on the within the Trinity and giving glory to the other, even most probably the most popular Bible verse. Most popular Bible verses are probably Genesis one one. Everybody knows how the Bible starts. And then in the New Testament, pretty much everybody who's heard the story of the gospel has um, heard John 3.16. And I think in John 3.16, there's a lot of different ways you can look at that. And so, for God so loved the world, so it's not that for God so wanted his glory, it's that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him may not perish by eternal life. And then the next verse, saying it again. For God so loved the world that uh, sent a son, not so that the world, 
so that the, the world may not be condemned that through him the world might be saved i think right there and the, that's the trinity in itself while i understand that's jesus words he's talking on behalf of the father and saying that the father is passing the father is passing off even the glory in that aspect his love you're going to be saved the glory that you should be giving is to my son who's going to lay down his life so that you can have a relationship with me like it's that it's that pass off again and i you see that in many different aspects but again it's an example of where love is the first characteristic that's what he's saying in john three sixteen. right but there's glory in that right and so i want to bring it one more step here um because when we make um when we make glory the center, um, there's a whole branch of Christianity who says um, that the reason why mankind was created was because he, um, God needed someone to worship him, basically. And if that's a natural conclusion, if your God's center is glory and he just wants more and more glory, then that makes perfect sense that that would be the reason why. And there's a large branches of Christianity that says that's the reason why mankind was created is to worship God. And that's our central purpose. The problem is I don't think that's love a and B. I don't think it's actually scriptural. So when we see God create humans in Genesis one, what we see is um, God who is willing to share his rule in fact, he wants to share his rule, right? So we see that he says, I'm going to make human and male and female. I'm going to make them and they're going to be my image bearers. And then immediately after that, he says rule, <laughs> right? So Mike, if we're going back to what you said, like God is not a glory monger, but he wants to share his glory. You know, glory is often associated with like rulership, like kings being filled with glory and things of that nature. And very beginning, when God creates humanity, what he says is, I'm going to create something in my image, and they're going to rule on my behalf. He doesn't need to, in the creation story, he doesn't need to share the rule. Um, Kyle, you and I were talking about this one time, and, and you were like, he gives them the opportunity to like name the creatures. That's a part of the creation act. That's a part of rulership. Yeah. When you create something, the last, like the finishing touch on it is naming it. Right. Yeah. One of your favorite parts of being a coming. Well, I'm, I'm not a parent. I would assume, based on what you two, one of your favorite parts of when you got to become a parent was having the ability to name your child. That's a pretty huge aspect. I got a name for my dog, and that was cool. I can't measure for a human being. <laughs> yeah. Can you measure for an entire creation for? Yeah. The exactly. Put all this in order to say, hey, you know what? Here, you name them. But God is um, giving a piece of His glory, if you will, mm -hmm. to humanity which is shocking. Why on earth would a God um, give up his rulership and try to do it through something he creates? Only a God who is love would do that because he wants to share his glory. And if you look at the biblical narrative, I'll go ahead and try to paint a line just real quick. And someday we're going to do a whole episode on what it means to be the image of God, a whole episode on it. But you can see that basically mankind failed in being the co-rulers with God. And that's what, that's what went awry is that we didn't trust God and trust his wisdom and trust his way of ruling. We tried to take it over ourselves and the rest of the biblical narrative, I could say, I could argue 
is about God trying to get us back on the thrones to rule with him. In fact, if you go to Revelation, the last book in the Bible, it talks about how we'll be ruling with, like Jesus will be the firstborn of many brothers and we'll be ruling with with God. And it says, it doesn't say God, we, we believe that God will be reigning forever and ever. But what the passage says is, and they, meaning all the hum- humans that God has lifted up to rule with him, will rule forever and ever. Now, there's a whole complexity there of how we get there. You know, Romans 8 is key in this. It says all of creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed and lifted up because that's how creation was designed. But the whole point was that God wanted to share his glory. And his glory, we've already hit on it several times, but I want to hit on it one more time. In order for us to actually do that, the only way he's going to let us do that is if we become his image of love. Mm-hmm. That's his goal. He wants us to live as he as, as he is, to rule as he does. And then when we do that, we give him more glory than we could ever do by just saying that he's powerful. But instead we're saying that's the only way that we should truly live. And I'm going to live in his image. And he gets the glory when we live that way, just like Jesus revealed God's love. And that's when he was lifted up. Now humanity, us, we're called to do the same thing. Yeah. And that's where I, where the, I'd say the, uh, the greatest commandment the, when Jesus asked, what's the greatest commandment? It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I think if you leave it at that, yeah, that's okay. God wants love first and he wants his glory. And that's right. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He very clearly gives you the second is like the first and saying that this is how the first is played out, that love your neighbor as yourself. And so the way God is getting glory is through the most important aspect, which is love. And the way he's getting that is loving your neighbor as yourself or as I have loved you and be able to pass that on. Beautiful. Absolutely. Um, So the general, and, and, and I also want to touch, touch it back at the beginning. We talked about how, like just a little bit, how like God's glory, there seems to be like light there. And, but when, when you see the scripture talking about um, what we're going to do when we rule with gods, it says we're going to shine like the stars of heaven. Literally, God is saying, you're going to come and join me, and, and I'm going to share my glory and my light with you, and now you're going to spread my light to the to the ends of the earth, but the light is love. So you're going to spread my love to the end of, of the earth. You're going to spread my glory to the end of the earth. The glory is love. One last, one last quote, and, and then I'll leave it to you guys for any, any other thoughts. Not only is the glory love, but we're expressly basically told that. So John 1.14, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. We have seen the glory of the Father manifest in the Son, and he is full of grace and truth. Or your translation the other day, Kyle, we quoted this verse the other day as well, and it says he's full of unfailing love and faithfulness. God's glory is revealed in the Son, and it is love. John 1.14. Grace and truth is the way a lot of, a lot of the translations will... And, and, and one of these days, we're going to do a whole episode on grace and truth. But John 1.14 establishes Jesus is revealing it, and what is it? 
it's unfailing love it's grace and truth so yep. any other thoughts from from either one of you i'd love 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 to hear anything else that we have to say on this my last thing maybe it's a form of a prayer um we kind of mentioned in john 17 um jesus praying for his disciples and praying for us this is past just the 12 he's praying and and others who will believe come to believe which is me and you and kyle and anyone maybe listening to this jesus says the father you have given me your glory and then he prays and i'm giving it to them i'm giving this glory to them which we've now defined as self-giving uh love that reveals the heart of the father that makes makes what god is like known god gave that to jesus and jesus's prayer is that we would be given that as we're going throughout the world as we're sitting in our cubicles in our job as we're parenting our kids as we're being a spouse to our spouses as we're uh, driving down the road may we be filled with the glory of god uh, this self-revelation of a self-giving loving god uh, who's reaching through us to the whole world that he might be known and that's beautiful and when you look at that passage where he says that what's the unifying principle that allows them to to actually he literally prays that we would become one with the, the trinity right basically. he's like right i pray that they would be one but how do they do it if you read john 15 the answer is they do it by loving by mm -hmm. by, by by being love that's how they do it um so right. i encourage our listeners i'm not it would be a long passage to read but go read john 15 Go read this passage that Mike's referring to, and you'll see that, yes, God is wanting to expand his glory through them. But how do they do they do it? They do it by being love, just like God is love. That's how they do it. They become one and they're they're We become one with God <laughs> when we love. Um, and that's to his glory. So, yeah. Um, final thing I would add into that just and it's same essentially the same thing but it's astonishing how many verses the bible over and over just especially in the new testament that go to this that point to love being the fact of what it is i mean this is how we know what love is that you would lay down your life for your brother like that's it's showing that over and over and again that's i think clearly demonstrating the aspect of that yes god does want to be glorified but he wants that through love and that's through not necessarily even just loving him, it's through loving others. And that being a key aspect of who he is. So it's, it's us being a full mirror of his image. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The full mirror. So his image is love. And when the more we become love, the more glory he gets because we're reflecting his image. But that's not the point of it. The point was he's love and that's, something that's worth worshiping that's worth something worth yeah, praising that's I, kind of made, I know we've landed the plane a thousand times already but like at that i feel like when glory isn't seen as fame when it's just seen as god's revelation um then when love happens god it glory happens because god is revealed in the love and that, that's how we can say that god does everything for his glory because everything he does is a self-revelation of who he is which is his love and you think of last thing, I know we got to stop, uh, but you think of Jesus uh, being asked the question by his disciples, who, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, no one sinned. This happened 
so that the works of God might be demonstrated. And a lot of people would say, so that, you know, God can be glorified and get more fame. Uh, but Jesus saying, so that I can love him. This happened so that I can love him by saying, open up your eyes, son, and see. It's a self-revelation of, of the loving God who comes and meets us in our most desperate moment and says, I'm here and I love you. And that's his glory. That's what glory is. It's a revelation of God's love. That's not, it's nothing more than that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So one of the things that we like to do on this show is regularly um, kind of bring it back to all of us are a fan of music. In fact, uh, um, Mike is worship leader at our church as well, too. So um, all of us have been <laughs> on the worship team. And obviously music is a really important aspect to all of us. Mm -hmm. And we try to make that as much as we can part of our episodes and what you take part in. Fellas, any songs that you recommend that kind of go along with this concept to be able to listen to and be able to um, use to meditate on what we're talking about? I've got one, and then I, I can see I can see Mike's thinking. So maybe Mike will have one once I'm done. But uh, yeah, I there's a song. Too, so if I have the one before Mike, that works. Awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a song called "Our God Is Love." Literally, that's just the name of the song. I think it's the third song on the playlist on YouTube. So if you were wanted to find it, it's there. But uh, it just says, "This is love. Jesus came and died and gave Himself for us. Let us glorify Him for what He's done." I think that goes hand in hand with what we were talking about uh, today. Um, so it's it's the idea that because God is love, that's make that's what makes Him glorious. Uh, the whole song's fantastic and it's really good. Um, so I would recommend that one. So mine's not nearly as cool, but go ahead, Kyle. Let's hear. It. So mine kind of changes. In, it's another word that can I maybe mean, we can talk about sometime as well too. Is has the word jealous um, as an aspect of it. Um, as think jealousy is always a negative thing. And I, I don't think that, especially in the concept of God, that it is God wants, he, he's a jealous God because he wants you to love him because he knows that you loving him is what's best for you and for others around you. If you, if you truly live that out. And so um, it's uh, John Mark McMillan wrote the song, David Crowder made it pretty well known how he loves heard it a thousand times. One of those songs that no matter how many times I hear it, I feel like I'm over it and I'm tired of hearing it. And then I hear it, or I play it. And I'm like, yeah, I really love this song. Um, and it does, it's that aspect of how he loves us. And again, it's him passing that glory to us. I think when you take it from that aspect and try to meditate on, meditate on it from there. Yeah. Mine's older and way less cool. It's just, um, glorify thy name. When I was growing up as a kid, it's Trinitarian. Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. Jesus, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. Spirit, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. His glory is made known by our love for him. And that's how we enter into his glory. And that's how we share his glory. Beautiful. Yeah, good. All right, fellas, any closing thoughts before we depart no i think it was a great episode i will give a little preview next episode will be that god is love but he is also holy how does his holiness Ooh. and his love correlate how do they work together so that's the next episode so tune in we'd love to 
I have some great songs for that one. Look forward to talking about next week. More than one, for sure. So, <laughs> great. All right. All right great. Well, again, thank you, Michael Isle, for joining us this yeah, week. Thank you. Have you. Hopefully, we have you back again at some point in time to be in conversation with us and maybe give other people some things to think about as well, too. Uh, make sure you uh, like and subscribe if you have not already. To get updates on when our shows are coming out. We are available currently on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. If you are listening on one of those and you'd rather be on another one, let me know. I'd be happy to try and get it on that platform as well, too, for you. So just uh, go ahead and comment, and we'll see it from there where you'd like it. Uh, tell your friends, and if you want to have a conversation with us about this, definitely engage in the comments, and uh, we'll, we'll continue the conversation. So, again, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Logos of Love podcast. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.